0: Hello world, this is Better Tech, a podcast where we chat with some of the most successful leaders about the latest industry developments. So join us as we explore the world reliant on tech. Hi, Maury, welcome to Better Tech. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. And before we start discussing today's topic, which is around cybersecurity and risk management in a post-COVID world, how about a quick introduction of yourself and what you do for our audience?
1: Thank you very much. My name is Maury Haber. I am the CTO and CISO for BeyondTrust. We are a industry leading PAM vendor, Privileged Access Management. I've been with the organization approximately 17 years through a variety of acquisitions. I oversee the internal security and cloud security for the solutions we manufacture, as well as the strategy. I'm also an author of three books, Privileged Attack Vectors, covering how to protect an organization against privileged attacks, asset attack vectors on how to build an effective vulnerability management strategy, and identity attack vectors, how to build an effective identity governance program within your company as well. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Yeah, sure, I look forward to having a great discussion with you. So Maureen, 2020 has been a year full of surprises. What's been going on in the cyber world recently?
1: The cyber world has seen a massive increase in attacks in 2020 mostly due to the COVID-19 pandemic. With many people working from home, it has been a ripe attack vector for threat actors to basically target employees. We're all more comfortable, more relaxed working from home. And in many cases, we may be answering emails or doing work late at night in clothes that we'd only wear at home. With that, we tend to leave our guard down. We're now more susceptible to phishing emails, uh, other types of attacks that might be on our home equipment that ultimately could compromise our businesses. So we've seen a major shift in the cyber world uh, based on the pandemic and attacks, well, still focusing the cloud and on-premise, but really mainly now going after the endpoints because the bulk of the people are working from home.
0: Yeah, certainly the pandemic has highlighted quite a few business challenges. And considering, you know, in light of the current business climate and the challenges being faced by companies globally, where would you rank cyber attacks and data fraud in the list? Does it make the top five according to you?
1: I think it easily makes the top five. Look, threat actors are generally not lazy, but they're gonna take the path of least resistance for compromising an organization. They're gonna find the easiest ways to infiltrate uh, an organization to steal data, uh, place malware, or conduct some other type of nefarious long-term mission. Traditionally, uh, in years past, it's been vulnerability exploit combinations. A vulnerability was published, odds are it didn't get patched in a timely fashion, and it was exploited. But recently, we've seen a little bit of a resurgence with that in terms of uh, attacks against Chrome and the Microsoft operating system with the net login vulnerabilities, and they're easy ways for a threat actor to get into an environment. But organizations have gotten a lot better at patching in a more timely fashion, identifying those risks and keeping them closed. They're really high risk for organizations that do not have that mature cybersecurity practice. Now, when we translate that to a lot of people working from home, those systems were traditionally managed with on-premise technology. So things like patching and updates may not be working as well or even at all as people are operating corporate devices from their home environment. So it has become a huge attack vector to go after the end users because they're not being maintained as well. This leads to the data theft and the fraud with social engineering and other types of exploits that can go against home equipment on the same network as the biggest changes in 2020 and potentially gonna infect us in 2021 to try to secure endpoints uh, that can be leveraged against the business.
0: What does this all mean for managing your cybersecurity risk?
1: It really means for your cybersecurity risks, you have to rethink about how you're actually managing security for those endpoints. If you consider or did an honest evaluation of your biggest risks, where are they basically residing today? Where are your biggest threats? And after a Very simple analysis, you'll realize, wow, all these people are working from home. Everything that I've just spoken about. Okay. We have laptops at home. We may have some BYOD. How do I mitigate that risk? Okay. We're asking people to log in via VPN to get AV updates and patches. That's not sustainable. We never built many of the technology stacks to operate long-term for people from home. We assume they would bring those laptops or devices back in the office. That's not true. So what we mean for cybersecurity is we have to re-engineer the endpoint stack, the endpoint security stack. It starts generally with going, what do I need to cover first? How do I get there? And what's gonna be successful with people working long-term at home? The first answer is the cloud. We basically need to manage all of these endpoints with a software-defined perimeter, not dependent on legacy technology that has been traditionally on-premise which means that as soon as the device turns on, it can get updates, it can provide logs, it can get policy. If it's managed from the cloud, we don't need VPN. We don't have to set up uh, elaborate systems in our DMZ uh, to actually do that management. Okay, so we need the security stack, the management stack to resolve in the cloud. But what should that stack look like? We could all agree, and I don't think there would be anybody that would argue the first thing that we always need is antivirus. Absolute truth. Even though people are fed up with it in many ways, we know signature-based doesn't always work well. There are great alternatives that are heuristic-based, machine learning-based, but we would all agree, even if you're using the operating systems built-in version, you need anti-malware, anti-virus. Then what do you do next? In my opinion, when you re-engineer the security stack, the next thing you should do is remove admin rights. Don't let end users have administrative privileges at all. Listen, if 77% of the critical Microsoft vulnerabilities can be mitigated just by removing admin rights, why don't you do it? The most common argument is as well, they can't add a printer, they can't change their clock, they can't run an updater, but there are great tools out there, including some built into the operating system to mitigate that problem. Remove admin rights. You're gonna find it to be the most effective way to challenge to basically solve many of these challenges. The next step, is pragmatic application control. Allow listing, block listing, gray listing. Control which applications can run, control which processes can spin off child processes. And basically you've solved you know, 90%, high 90th percentile of malware and ransomware. Because if a program doesn't have administrative rights, it can't hit the registry, it can't drop a file. If you're only looking for digital signatures and the ownership and everything else, Most of the malware can't execute after that unless it was digitally signed and stolen. And that even includes lay of the land attack or file as attacks. After that, you go down the EDR route, MDR or XDR because anything that would touch the registry, file system or key locations in the operating system has to run with admin privileges. If you remove them from the the user, then anything that maliciously touches them is probably an attack then any reporting from those solutions has a high confidence of a problem. And then you layer on anything else you need, web proxy, uh, DLP, etc., based on your business needs. But really the way we should be thinking about the impact is we really need to re-engineer the endpoint security stack to handle the challenges that COVID has given us. And that's people working from home, potentially for a long time.
0: In addition to all of this, what would you say are also and like, some of the more essential principles for effective cybersecurity leadership in a
1: post-COVID world? Cybersecurity leadership in a post-COVID world has got to be flexible. We understand that standard operating procedures, policy and standards and regulations are still very important, but you have to interpret them to what your business actually needs. For example, if you have database administrators and you have server administrators working from home, and regulations now say, have always stated that, you, know, you have to have a bastion host or a proxy to administer the environment. You have to understand that someone might be needing to do that from home. So how are they entering those admin credentials? Are they double jumping from their system via VPN and RDP into a secure enclave to do that work? The regulation says that you should have that abstraction layer. So how do you interpret that and how do you apply it when you are now working from home. So you have to be a little flexible in your thought. You have to understand the intent of the regulation, but ultimately demonstrate that in the end. So for cybersecurity professionals, you're almost going back to basics. You're saying, I did this because I did this to secure this. I'm now operating in a new environment. I can do it this way as well and meet the requirements and ultimately stay secure. It means the flexibility in your minds, not to say, this is the way I do it and I got to figure out how to now do it from home. Sometimes it's re-engineering what you're doing to make it better and also be more secure with the changes that uh, we all face.
0: During the end of 2020, do you think that companies now at this point in time are far more better able to you know, um, re-strategize their processes
1: I really do believe this far into 2020, we are way uh, better at restrategizing our processes. Uh, back in March and April, we were all in panic mode, knee-jerk mode, finding ways for people to work at home in mass. We've now settled into that. We've level-setted what risks we now have, like not being able to patch. We have the time to re-engineer and rethink the best ways to do it. Many of us have been able to get our laptop orders in to make sure we have managed assets remotely. We're not allowing people to use BYOD at home anymore because there is resources available or we've invested money in uh, hardware or other services to make it work. Now we can step back and re-engineer it. Now, while the vaccine is potentially readily available in the next six months, we have to rethink, will people go back to normal? And in many cases, this is the new normal we've realized people can be effective working remotely. And in many cases, people have chosen they like it better. So this will have implications on the office environment, on the commercial real estate market, as people choose to work from home because they may be just as effective. And as cybersecurity professionals and we need to adapt, we now to need to adjust our strategy to concepts like softwareless, software-defined perimeters and even zero trust for remote access of systems to accommodate that we don't have the network, we don't have those firewalls, we don't have ACLs in place that could protect us like we had before. Right,
0: and what risk management challenges do you think we'll see more of in the coming
1: years? Risk management challenges in the next coming years are going to evolve. Um, I think we're all a little burnt out of buzzwords, but some things are buzzwords and some things are not. Let's just take for the concept of zero trust. Every vendor has a different definition. There is no product that is zero trust, it's a strategy. And I recommend anybody that's looking at where we rethink about these management challenges in the next coming years to look to standards, something from like NIST or the IDSA for what things like zero trust mean. The management challenges that we have are taking those theoretical concepts and applying them and making them work correctly. Now, one of the biggest things is you could say for something like Zero Trust is I've been doing it for years, and and many companies may have, but there's some polish, there is some methodology around documenting that, that gives you that extra edge. So when we talk about the management challenges moving forward, we have to think about the changing landscape, we have to think about the changing standards, and making sure we do not get caught up in the buzzwords of the month or the year while we try to roll out new technology. Look for industry standards that actually define it and then embrace them as best as you can while avoiding some of the pitfalls because something like zero trust doesn't always apply. Um, It doesn't necessarily apply to legacy technologies. It doesn't necessarily apply to -to peer-to-peer technologies, uh, things that would be gotchas. So from a risk management standpoint, I always would ask someone to open their mind, listen to what the industry is evolving to, and strategize based on how your business is evolving.
0: Speaking of that, how can companies restore privacy compliance and better you know, serve be better able to serve their customers?
1: Data privacy compliance is probably one of the hardest regulations or concepts for any business to adhere to 100%. The laws are changing frequently. In the United States, individual states are now enacting mandates. And over in Europe, with the changes uh, in GDPR and now uh, the UK leaving and having their own regulations, it's difficult for every, anyone to really understand every aspect of it. But there are some basics that you can apply. Anything that you would consider sensitive information, addresses, names, birth dates, banking information, anything sensitive applies to every one of those laws. The differences may be in things like data retention, data disclosure, data deletion. If you take the concept of where all of your sensitive data lives, you do that exercise of data mapping internally and with your partners, then you can overlap the privacy regulations per region because they're all applying to the same types of data sets. So think about it from the concept of, wow, I've got all these regulations to adhere to. Well, that, that's fine, but they're all really worried about the person and then understanding how that applies in different regions really will help companies restore privacy challenges or privacy compliance and the challenges uh, in maintaining those data sets.
0: Right. So Mari, what advice would you give to small scale businesses that are in the process of restarting and reorienting their business with security in mind?
1: For the smallest of businesses all the way to the largest of enterprises, uh, but specifically to your question to small to medium-sized businesses, I think we're all aware that they're not immune from cyber attacks, whether it is phishing or something as nefarious as ransomware. You may not have the expertise to run your systems, keep them up to date. I strongly encourage uh, organizations at the smaller size that don't have that expertise to explore managed security service providers or providers of software that do management as well. They have the expertise, the knowledge and the capabilities to help you run your security programs and ensure that they stay secure. Um, Yes, it's more money. It may cost you more money to do so, but the risks of not doing anything greatly outweigh investing in a shared security model that you can benefit from someone else's knowledge and time share their expertise to make sure you stay secure.
0: And lastly, convergence with which technologies will help in mitigating cyber risk going forward?
1: The convergence of technologies moving forward will help you the most when you stay basically almost up to date, but not necessarily be an early adopter. If you've ever heard of the analyst state that there's things of early adopters, you're buying the product when it first yeah. comes out and then you're the laggard or the last one to buy it. The convergence of staying closer to the edge, near early adopter, will help you the most. And this is specifically true in the concepts of, let's just say, operating systems. So if you are using something like Windows 10, make sure it stays fully up to date with the latest versions. If you're on a Mac, don't use older versions. Get off of the High Sierras or the El Capitans. Get to Catalina or Big Sur, because those Operating systems have more security safeguards in place to help you in the long haul. So the convergence of basically staying at the latest or the best or the newest generally will help you stay more secure than running outdated or end-of-life operating systems. The convergence being stay at the point of the arrow and the newest will be the best bet for you.
0: All right, Murray, that's all we have for time today. It was great having you on BetterTech.
1: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure speaking with you.
0: Thanks for listening to BetterTech. We look forward to bringing you the latest industry news in our next episode. In the meantime, check out our other episodes at techcell.com slash podcast and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss an episode.